Hey everybody, this is uh, Don Tool in Charlotte, North Carolina, with uh, episode 11 for uh, February 2020 of uh, Going to the Show with Tools, my uh, podcast on live music in Charlotte in the area. And I um, want to thank everybody for, tu- for tuning in and checking out the podcast. Uh, hope- hopefully you enjoy this one and um, keep coming back. I'm really enjo- enjoying doing it. Uh, recording this on the last day of the month, uh, leap year day, actually Saturday, February 29th. So I just eked it in, had a pretty busy February and uh, had a hard time finding time to uh, get it done. But we're uh, we're rolling now. So we'll go into uh, the usual stuff, what I saw this month. I uh, saw some really good shows and uh, enjoyed myself over a short uh, February month. And uh, then it'll be what's coming up in uh, March. There's some good shows coming to town. So uh, let's dive right in. The first show I saw this month was up to the Fillmore. Uh, saw, uh, Devil Makes Three and Alonzo Wesley opened up. Um, headed up there with uh, my buddy Sid. I don't get to go to too many shows with Sid, so it was a good night. We had a good time. Uh, ran into a couple other people up there I knew, so so it was a good evening. And uh, Fillmore wasn't too packed out, which I, I thought it would be. I thought um, Devil Makes Three were a little more popular than that. But uh, I don't like the Fillmore when it's super packed, so uh, it made for a better show, and we were able to get up pretty close and good view of the stage and stuff. And and I actually took some half decent pictures, as I like to plug on my uh, Instagram account. If you look up Don Tool, you'll find me. I post uh, crap concert pics, and um, the Devil Makes Three pics actually weren't too bad. <laughs> so you can always uh, see where I've been for shows because I w- always post those up. But um. So Alonzo Wesley opened up. He's a local artist. Uh, he subbed in for, for the scheduled artists. I guess there was travel issues or an illness, something like that. Um, but uh, Alonzo is really good. I saw him open up a few years ago for Steve Miller Band, actually. And I I think I saw him at the Whitewater Center one other time. I definitely saw him someplace else at some point. But um, he's really good artist, good songwriter, uh, good singer, you know, kind of Americana, bluegrassy kind of stuff. Uh, he had a three-piece band with him, and and all all really good. Uh, they did they did a good set, kind of mellow, um, but it, but it was very good. Uh, totally enjoyed it. And then Devil Makes Three came out. I was really psyched to see them. I haven't uh, gotten to see them in a couple of years, so um, they came around, and I was definitely pumped to go. They put on an awesome show for a for a three-piece band. That's you know that Americana bluegrass stuff. They just they put on a show like a rock show. They, um, a lot of high energy, uh, really entertaining. They just rip through songs, uh, guitarist, um, banjo, another guitar and, um, upright bass. And, and it, it was just a really good show beginning to end. Um, some of the show, some of the songs they played that I really enjoyed were, um, they opened up the show in a really neat way. And if, uh, for a few months ago, when I reviewed Marty Stewart, he did the same thing, but they opened up with an acapella song and just harmonized. It was called, um, what would I do? Or what would I give in exchange for your soul? And that, that was a really neat way to, to open the show. And they lit the stage really neat. They had, um, these kind of like candles, candelabra things around the stage. It kind of reminded me of the way, um, it almost looked like something Prince would do. And they had this really neat red lighting and stuff. And, uh, it, it was cool. They, uh, they, you know, for an Americana band, they really, uh, put some thought into their show and the presentation stuff and it, uh, totally worked. But, uh, some of the, uh, other, uh, songs they did, I'll, uh, mention them and not all these are the exact song title. You know, it's what I'm making notes 
as uh, the show's going on, but uh, they they did another song, "A Thousand Ways to Heaven, Thousand Ways to Hell." That was that was a really fun tune, and uh, "Bullet Flies to Carry Me Home." Uh, there was a song "Castles," uh, which actually is going to be the closeout song for this month's episode, so you'll be able to check that out. Uh, "Terrible Man," which was a song I love. And, uh, you know, as the show was coming up, I was listening to their new album that they had out and that, that song was on there. And it's just kind of a song about a man acknowledging his faults and questioning himself and stuff. And, uh, good tune. And, uh, towards the end of the show, they did a fiddle and banjo, uh, duel that was just amazing. They just went back and forth trading licks and, um, really, really fun part of the show. It, It was great. And, um, the last tune I wanted to mention from that show was Tennessee Whiskey Got Me Drinking in Heaven. That was a really, really cool uh, song at the end of the set. So that was a great night, great way to start off a month's shows. And then to kind of transition to a, a unique show I saw was um, I decided to go up on a Thursday night up to Free Range Brewing in uh, Noda. Uh, second time I've been up there for a show, and it was this band called uh, Desmond Jones. And... Um, uh, Free Range is really doing a good job on social media, putting their shows out there and promoting them. So they had a couple clips, you know, Desmond Jones, their young band, definitely jam band uh, out of Michigan. And, and the song sounded really good and band looked fun. So and I think it was only like a 10, 12, $15 show. It was a pretty cheap show. And um, I, I was like, yeah, I'll check them out and went up there. And um, I bought a ticket online before I went up. So I had my ticket, but kind of as you walk into the brewery they have um the table there you know to, to either buy your ticket or you know get your wristband whatever you need and there's it was two young women sitting there and and i got chatting with them and i you can see you go through the bar and then the stage setup is in uh kind of a little bit of their warehouse uh delivery area out in the back and i could hear the <clears throat> hear the music but i couldn't see anybody back there so as she gave me my wristband and stuff I said, I'm not the only one here tonight, am I? You know, kind of joking around. And one of the girls goes, no, no, no. Just everybody moved up front towards the stage to dance. Because where we were standing, you could see into the room, but you couldn't see where the stage was. And I was like, all right, that's cool. And I go walking in there. Not the case. (laughs) There was nobody at the bar as I walked through the bar. Maybe there was one person sitting there chatting with the bartenders. But I go into the room. And so just picture like a rectangular warehouse kind of set up there was four people off to the left up against the wall immediately as you walked in and then to the right was the sound guy and then there was uh two solo people like myself i was at the show solo and they were there so there was six people there and i probably got there i think the show was at nine and i think i got up there right about at nine maybe five after and uh, i was like oh wow this is interesting but the band put on a great set. They played an hour 45, or maybe they played right up to 11. But a um, really fun band, very young. Um, uh, some really good songs they did. And they took the light crowd in total stride. Or, you know, we're total professionals about it. They joked about it a little bit. They interacted with the crowd a little more. Um, and two of the songs that they did that I wanted to mention was um, a song called Nesbit, And then... Uh, song named split and then the last one i want to mention was um molly's got mono in the kitchen that was a really fun song but um they were a cool band i think it was five or six guys if i remember right the drummer was a singer and they kind of had him set up towards the front of the stage 
and um and then the lead guitarist sang as well and the and bass player harmonized in a bit and um the first song i did they were all kind of training vocals back and forth they sounded really good but then as the night went along the lead guitarist did a lot of the singing and he didn't have the best voice uh but he would often introduce a song with oh i wrote this song so it seems like he wrote the song so it seems like he, he was the majority songwriter in the band uh so he did most of the singing but um probably not not the best choice from them considering the drummer and, and the bass player's voices were um were very good but uh, I'm not a musician, as I as I always declare. I'm not a band manager or anything like that. But if they asked me for for my feedback, uh, that's what it, that's what I would have offered. But um, the funny thing with the show, with it being so lightly attended, was about halfway through through the show, a little more than halfway through the show, it was about ten after ten, maybe quarter after ten. A group of seven came in, so they literally doubled the size of the audience, and uh, I just I. The band, like I said, the band was great. They still put on a good show, but I really felt badly for them, you know, traveling from Michigan, whatever tour they were doing. And they mentioned that they uh, had an off night, you know, the night before. So they spent the sh- night in Charlotte in an Airbnb and talked about different things they did in Charlotte and what they enjoyed and stuff. Like these poor guys, they got to a, a strange town, spent a, a free night on their own, which they probably needed a free night on the tour. But um, I'm sure they're not making much on the tour. And then they you know, wait all the next day and get to the gig at the spur and, and seven people and 14 people show up a little bit rough. And, um, the poor guys, they kept, uh, promoting their, um, merch stand that they had and all the different merch items they had. I think at one point they ran down every item they had. And, uh, I, I didn't buy it. And I don't know if anybody else did either, but, uh, yeah, that, that was a tough night, but it kind of shows the music industry, but also shows, you know, and the, to take positive side of it, and I'm always one that says, you know, there's always an upside to everything. The way those guys handled themselves and the show they put on, you know, was great. But then also think about the passion they have and and how committed they are to doing what they do, you know, that they can travel around the country and show up at this place and, you know, get promoted and, and get signed to the show. And then nobody shows up and it's like, well, I'm really enjoying the music. This is what I'm here to do. So I'm going to rock it. And, uh, so that was great. You know, that, that was a really cool thing to see in the end, but, um, also kind of neat that it happened and gave me a little story to share on the podcast. But, um, uh, and then the next show, uh, was a total change from that big national act, uh, Kamasi Washington, who kind of does jazz and funk and kind of free jazz stuff. Um, he was really big on the festival circuit, maybe two, three, three years ago, he started getting booked to a lot of festivals and um kind of got some buzz going and i think he's made a very nice career for himself um but i hadn't seen him before i'd only heard stuff online and and i was really psyched to check it out he played the Fillmore underground uh which is one of one of my favorite spots in town a little smaller than um the actual phil Fillmore, and they got good sound and stuff and um i got up there for that one and now that one was just about sold out that one was packed um, I probably got there just about showtime and, uh, had to stand in the back, which I tend to go towards the back anyways, but, um, had to stand back there because it was pretty much full. Um, they packed it, no opener and, uh, he had a big band. He had himself on a saxophone. He's a saxophone player, a trombone player, uh, a bassist, um, a woman singer. Uh, she sang mostly backup. But she, um, 
you know, took lead vocal on a few tunes. And then uh, kind of different for a jazz or a funk band, they had two drummers. And uh, I love, you know, being an Almonds fan and a Dead fan, I, I love the two drummer setup. You know, it doesn't work every time, but, but I love it. But I hadn't seen it in that format in a long time. And uh, they were great. And like I said, you know, some funk, some jazz, mostly jazz, some free jazz, you know, stuff that was a little bit more out there. But um, it, it was fantastic. Really, really good show. Uh, really professional, you know, just tight, tight band and uh, great artists and people were really into it and everything. And uh, very, very glad I um, got out there to see him. Like I said, he, he kind of had some really good buzz going a few years ago and I, I wasn't able to catch him or you know, he didn't come locally, you know, whatever may have happened. So I was glad he came to town and, and I was able to um, get up there for the show. It was, it was a great one. So I would definitely um, recommend if you're into that kind of music, checking out uh, Kamasi Washington. His first name is spelled K-A-M-A-S-I. And uh, he's got plenty of stuff online that you can check out. And then the last show I saw was a really good one and different as well. It was at uh, the Evening Muse, which is a small kind of coffee shop uh, set up up in Noda and, uh, really enjoy going there for shows. That show actually sold out and they probably get maybe a hundred, 120 people in there maybe. But, uh, it was a show I found out about, I think I plugged it last time on the podcast or maybe the time before I found out about it through, uh, NC Red Dirt, which has a very active, uh, Twitter account. They got a website as well, but the Twitter accounts really, really um active and always pointing out new artists and shows all over north carolina you know for americana shows and alt country shows all that kind of stuff and they kind of pumped up these artists that were coming um it was channing wilson and then he opened up for a couple um uh, jason Eady and courtney Patton. and so you know I, I saw the nc red dirt post you know it's, and it sounded interesting and i enjoy going to evening new shows and i'm trying to get there more often for shows um, so I checked it out online and really enjoyed the music that I heard. Um, so I grabbed a ticket and there was another one. It was a low dough show. I think it was 12 or 14 bucks. So I grabbed a ticket a few days before and that show, like I said, it ended up selling out. So I think that show maybe had a, a 7:30 start and, um, I know how tight the evening muse is and I knew they'd have some seating set up, you know, for that one. Cause it was, you know, more a solo show kind of thing. So I got up there about 10 quarter after seven and, uh, figured I'd be there in time to, um, uh, hopefully grab a seat. And, uh, it was kind of a neat night. Cause that was a night, uh, Charlotte, since I've been here usually gets snow once or twice a year. And that was the, um, once or twice a year it happened was on that night and it snowed in Charlotte for a few hours. We had the big snowy, pretty snowflakes coming down, um, stuck to cars and, and uh, grass and stuff like that, but wasn't sticking to the road. So getting up there was fine, but uh, it was kind of funny walking, walking through Noda in the snow to, to get to a show it made me feel like I was back home a bit. But anyways, I got into the show and there was all these, the bar was jammed. The bar area is tiny there. Like, you know, if really, if you stand by the bar, you're creating a problem, you know, people trying to get to the bathroom and walk around and stuff. But uh, there's people standing around the bar, people standing in the back by the merch table and stuff. And I was like, oh, crap. And there was a bunch of seats that weren't taken. So, you know, I went and asked and they're like, nope, nobody's sitting there. So I grabbed, you know, being the older guy I am, I grabbed a seat and, and uh, was quite happy to. But uh, Channing Wilson came out um, first and uh, he was great. Really, really loved him. But I'll, I'll go off a, a little bit on him because 
a guy comes out, he's got the jean jacket, um, you know, greasy long hair, kind of scruffy beard, you know, long, long beard. And he basically had like the alt country starter set look, you know, the, the Chris Stapleton, Jamie Johnson deal. And, uh, which just seems to be very in vogue right now. And, um, you know, not the best looking human, human being either, but, uh, you know, he came walking up and I was like, Oh God, another one of these guys. And then it, to totally sidetrack off the review of the show, it got me thinking, you know, with that whole, you know, how Stapleton blew up a few years ago and now artists like Tyler Childers are doing really well, you know, stuff like that. I was like, what if this guy is like some pretty boy, uh, Blake Shelton, um, you know, guy from Nashville, whatever, he just uh, decided he's not making it as like, you know, bro country or pop country guy and decides, you know, I'm going to put it, put on a little bit of a fat suit and, and, uh, put on a wig and, and I'm going to go the whole country, which Channing Wilson definitely wasn't doing, but, uh, just something that came to mind during the show and kind of, um, amused me, which may or may not have amused you, <laughs> but, uh, I thought it was funny of, of some pretty guy, uh, slapping on an alt country outfit to, um, try to advance his career as we know, we do know that artists do all, all sorts of things to, um, pursue a successful career in fame. But, uh, anyways, on to Channing Wilson, who was a really good artist. Uh, he wrote fantastic songs. He, I think he did maybe 40, 45 minutes set and a uh, great storyteller. Um, it was just him and his guitar and uh, a glass of whiskey. And, uh, most of his songs, kind of going back to the theme of of what's popular now in that genre was his songs are all about like broken hearts or, or whiskey or a combination of the two and um the first song of his um that i wanted to mention i believe it was the song he opened up with was a song called they don't make a drink that strong and uh it was basically about a broken heart you know and trying to get over it and trying to deal and you know maybe dealing with a little bit of depression and things like that and how you know, you can drink as much as you want or, you know, smoke as much weed as you want or take pills, whatever you do to get by and make yourself better. But in this case, there wasn't a drink made that strong. And it, it was a beautiful song, a really good song. And then uh, the crowd was really into him as well. Uh, some of the crowd seemed to know him. And then uh, the second or third song, and no, it wasn't the second song because the second song was well received as well. You know, he got nice applause and stuff. And, uh, the third song, he goes, he goes, all right, you're going to play this next song for you. And he told stories, you know, before every song and talked to the audience quite a bit. And he goes, all right, this next song I wrote for Willie Nelson. And of course, you know, being that kind of show, I'm sure just about everybody there was a Willie Nelson fan. So everybody started cheering. He's like, oh, that's great. That's great. And he goes, so y'all know who Willie Nelson is. And everybody cheer a little bit more and, and chuckle a little bit. And he goes, he goes, great. Cause I wrote this song for him and I can't, I can't hear back from him if he liked it or not, if he's going to record it or not. And I really want him to record it. He goes, so if y'all know him, he goes, email it to him and let him know that I, I really want him to record it. And everybody died laughing. You know, I'm sure it's something he does most nights, but uh, it was a hit in Charlotte. And everybody died laughing. And he's like, what? He's like, you guys said you knew Willie. He's like, come on, help me out. <laughs> so, you know, you kind of get this guy who's like whiskey road worn and the long hair and, you know, the, the long ratty beer and stuff. And he's up there cracking jokes, you know, like, a, and, uh, it wasn't what I was expecting of him out of, out of him at all, but it, it was, um, it was good. It was very entertaining. And then, uh, last song of his, that I wanted to mention was called, uh, I've got the Sunday morning blues. 
which uh, if you like to go out and have a good time, you certainly know what the Sunday morning blues are about. And uh, that, that was definitely a song I could relate to and, uh, and loved. He, he was a really good artist and we'll definitely check him out next time he comes through town. And like I said, he told some great stories. He grew up in Georgia and uh, told some funny stories about growing up in Georgia, being a young adult in Georgia. And, and uh, he, was, he was really fun. Lives up in Nashville now, like so many uh, great musicians do. But, uh, and then the uh, headliners were uh, Jason, Cordy, uh, Jason Cody and Courtney Patton. I listened to mostly their stuff going into the show, so I knew that pretty well. But um, it, that seemed like more of the audience uh, knew them. I uh, knew their songs and stuff. So they came out, they got, they got pretty um, rowdy welcome. And um, so the way, the best way to describe how their career seems to go is that they both record their own albums, you know, under their own names and stuff, but they work on each other's albums. So the way that the show was formatted was he would sing one of his songs and she would harmonize on it. Then she would do one of her songs and he would harmonize that and play on it. And, they were, they were both just up there, you know, with, um, acoustic, uh, guitars. They also had a drum set up on stage, which I think she slipped behind the, the drum set for one song, but, um, it was a really fun, fun set. And they, uh, interacted with the crowd a lot as well and told a lot of stories, her more than him. But, um, like I said, the crowd knew him, the crowd ate it up and, uh, it was a really, really fun night at the, uh, the evening muse. I love seeing small, intimate shows like that. But um, some of the songs I want to point out that they did were um, uh, um, A Night Like the Old Times, um, which was basically a story about a couple that's kind of in a rut, you know, and they used to go out and do stuff and have little adventures and have a great time. And now, you know, more Netflix and, and looking at their phones and stuff like that. So that was a really nice song. And then they did a song called Lost My Mind in Carolina. Uh, another one was uh, why I left Atlanta, and um, <laughs> and that was funny. They talked about a song that um, uh, Channing Wilson, the opening artist, wrote that they really loved, uh, that the husband really loved, Jason Cody really loved, and he recorded it and he did well with it. And he goes, "But I I don't feel like I can sing it tonight." So Channing here, so they had Channing come up and sing, it. and that one was called uh, "I'll Be Here in the Morning." Just don't ask where I've been, and. Uh, as the, the uh, title says, it's kind of very descriptive. And uh, <clears throat> another song that I want to mention was um, uh, It's a Downturn, um, uh, Cry Pretty. And then uh, the last one was uh, It's Always a Woman. And that was another song that the husband said he uh, was inspired by Channing Wilson because uh, they were over another artist's house one night jamming and Channing had quite a bit to drink that night. And, um, Jason was a little bit concerned about me. He said, man, what's going on? He goes, is a woman again? He, you know, he said, what's wrong tonight? And Channing looked up to him and, and said, it's always a woman. And, uh, I think we can all, all, uh, if you can't relate to that personally, you know, a friend, either male or female, you know, who get, uh, to too torn up by, uh, the opposite sex, or maybe if they're gay, the same sex, but, um, get too torn up about relationships and, and take them a little bit too hard. So uh, I like that quote. It's always a woman, but uh, so a couple things I wanted to mention about their show. And then I'll, I'll bring up another point of it at the end. So the husband comes out, plays a song and uh, then the wife comes up, she plays a song. And at the end of her song, 
she goes, Hey, you know, I don't mind doing requests, you know? So she goes, you know, if there's any songs that, of mine that you want to hear tonight, you know, just yell them on, I'll play them. She goes, she goes, don't re- request one of Jason's songs, you know, cause I'm not going to play Jason's songs. So, you know, make sure you requ- you request one of mine. So don't request cry pretty and, you know, name some other songs of his that people seem to know. And so she turns over her husband to do the next song. So of course people start yelling out song titles and he's sitting there tuning his guitar and, um, and she goes, honey, which one are you going to play? And he just kind of shakes his head and, and goes into another song and plays it. Well, as the show went along, uh, there were several people up front who were very boisterous. And like I said, the evening muse is very small, intimate place. And it was a, an acoustic, acoustic night of music, you know, so it's not like, you have, you were there to see a big rock show or anything and they were hooting and hollering and singing along and it was mostly women and uh, a couple of women were, you know, getting up, shaking their arms and raising their beers all the time and stuff. And, and it, they kind of got more and more into it, you know, as the night went along and, and beers piled up or whatever it was they were drinking. And they would always request the wife's songs. They, they seemed to know her material. And even though the wife opened the door you know, to request, I don't know if it was their constant requests or that their behavior, but you could tell the wife was getting pretty much once the show hit the halfway mark and, and they probably did, I'd say they did maybe hour 15, hour and a half, uh, set. And you could tell as, as evening was going along, the wife had enough of, of the behavior that was going on. So that was amusing. And then at the end, uh, I think they, I do remember they gave Jason the last song to sing. And people were yelling out a couple, couple tunes. And, uh, from where I was sitting, I could, I was on the wife's side of the stage and I, I was looking, I had a, I was up against the wall to the, to the side and I could see Jason, you know, very clearly and directly. And so he's sitting there tuning, tuning and, you know, thanking the audience for coming out and, you know, providing them a sellout and, and, uh, you know, how much they appreciate their audience and how much they like coming to Charlotte, you know, all the, the kind of usual music, musician stuff at the end of the night. And people are, the, the party people up front are still requesting songs. And I see the wife just mouth at him, like, just play one, you know? And the, and the husband's tune and he finishes tune and he looks at her and, like, shakes his head, you know, almost like a pitcher shaking off a catcher in baseball. And he went into the song and played it. And I was just laughing and laughing because... You know, at the start of the show, he ignored a request and then she kind of encouraged it. And then as the show went along, she was kind of getting annoyed by the behavior. And then um, at the uh, end of the show, you know, he refused to play, you know, what people were looking, uh, looking to hear out of the few songs that they were requesting over the course of the night, you know, that he, he didn't play. And I was just laughing and laughing and having a good time with it. So I, I thought that was really neat and good showmanship. And, uh, you know, you know, I, obviously I'm passionate about music and love live music and part of it's, you know, cause you, you do see different things all the time or you're blown away by artistry or by effort or energy or, you know, the songs or the crowd, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, cause mostly concerts for the most part are formatted the same, you know, there's an opening band, there's a main band and, you know, break in between, between and, you know, they plug their merchandise and, you know, there's guitar solos, drum solo, you know, concerts can, can tend to run together. So you need those like special different moments. And I really thought that was one. And it's also the same way I feel about sports, you know, 
I'm pretty much a fan of anything where there's ball and somebody's keeping score. And when I lived in Boston for years, I was very lucky. Ray Bork was the uh, star of the Bruins and Nomar Garcia Pera uh, was the star, one of the stars of the Red Sox shortstop. And whenever I went to go see the Sox of the Bruins play, one of those guys always did something I hadn't seen before or something that got me out of my seat or, you know, took my breath away or made me cheer, you know, and it's those moments that you go for, you know, because baseball games, baseball game and hockey games, a hockey game, you know, so you need that different stuff. And um, so I thought that music, you know, and the interaction that Jason and, and Courtney had with the audience kind of gave me that on, um, you know, the music and concert front. So at, at work, uh, a woman I sit next to and I work in a small office, her husband uh, was a beach uh, music musician. If you're from Carolina, you know about beach music. If you're one of my friends from up north or out west listening, you don't know about beach music because I didn't know about it until I came here. But uh, beach music was created uh, down in Myrtle Beach and along the shores of North and South Carolina. And I'll offend probably true North Carolinians with this, but to me, it sounds like Motown with a little bit of a, a twist to it. It's it's really fun music and it's a dance music and there's a dance to it called the shag. And um, it, it's really cool stuff. It's neat. And it's I, what I really love about it is how regional it is. And it's still an ongoing thing today. And so anyway, so Susan, who I work with, uh, her husband was a beach band musician for years and years and years. And then he managed bands for a while. You know, once he stopped being in bands, and then he eventually bought a music studio and he just recently sold the music studio, but, uh, he still records, you know, his own independently outside the studio. So obviously a man professional in the music industry and everything. And, you know, Susan fell in love with a guy in a band. So Susan loves music and been around the industry, you know, for her whole adult life as well. And, uh, so I said, and Susan, and I agree on a lot of music and stuff. So I probably chew her ear off a bit and bore her some with, um, you know, some of the shows I see or music I hear, cause I'll come into work in, in the morning or come back from lunch and be like, Oh, Susie, you know what song I just heard? You know, I haven't heard in forever. And, uh, you know, we'll talk music a little bit, but so I came in the day after the show and, and I was like, Susan, I got to tell you about this show. And I told her about the Willie Nelson joke that Channing Wilson said. And then I told her about the couple, you know, and their interaction. And just like I do with the podcast, I'm sure I was excited and animated about it and telling her about it. I remember she was sitting at her desk and I was standing by her desk telling her. And uh, at the end, she just looks at me and she goes, Don, she goes, that may have been an act. I hate to blow <laughs> your bubble. She goes, they might do that every night. And and I looked at her. I said, no, I go, I get that. You know, and uh, I, I, I said, I did consider that on the way home. I said, as much as I enjoyed it live, I said, yeah, they may be something that they just do, you know, because. A lot of times when you go to shows, like I said about Channing Wilson and the Willie Nelson joke, he probably tells that close to every night, you know, or, you know, when you see a big rock band, they're like, thank you, Charlotte. We love you, you know, or we love coming back here, you know, and stuff like that. You're like, yeah, they say that every night, you know, or that, you know, tell a little story the same every night, you know, stuff like that. But um, so it was funny, you know, that I, I thought this was such a unique, fun experience. And Susan, <laughs> Susan just shot me down. Yeah, they probably do that every night, Don. So, uh, whichever way it worked for me. So, uh, so let's talk about what's coming up in March. Uh, so I saw four really good ones, um, in, in February and enjoyed them. So coming up in, in March, well, tonight on the 29th, there's two shows in town. Uh, one is absolute legend and diva Diana Ross is playing, uh, the Belk. 
I'm recording this a little bit late on Saturday night, so she's probably already got on stage. But um, a friend of mine saw her in Vegas just a year or two, year or two ago and said she still got it. So I've never got to see Miss Ross, but uh, certainly love uh, her uh, solo music and music with the Supremes, of course, a, an absolute legend. And then also tonight at the Neighborhood is a band I mentioned several times. You guys are probably getting sick of hearing of. But uh, Downtown Abbey and the Echoes, um, they had a new single come out, and they're doing a single release show at, at Neighborhood tonight. And then next week we got a couple um, good shows, and I'm hoping to get to a couple of them. I probably sh- I, I would think that I will. But uh, Wednesday night, March 4th at the Neighborhood, is uh, Trigger Hippie, and they're playing with local band Revelwood Mission. Uh, who I mentioned on here before. Trigger Hippie is kind of a rotating lineup of musicians, but Steve Gorman uh, from Black Rose is in there, and I've listened to some of their stuff online. It sounds great. So uh, I'll probably get up there Wednesday night for that show. And then also on uh, Wednesday night is uh, Freak Bass is playing uh, Visualite. And then on uh, Thursday night, uh, Jason Moss and the Hosses, uh, who I've talked about as well before, they're playing uh, Visualite on Thursday. And then Friday night, we got a, a real big show coming to town and um, talked about it on here before with the cost of concerts and stuff like that. But uh, Sturgill Simpson is bringing his tour to the Spectrum Center, which is the Hornets Arena, with uh, Tyler Childers. And uh, he played two nights out in Nashville, and he's playing one night here. And I thought, um, being a tidy as my friend Joe would say, I, I thought the show, I thought the tickets were a little bit expensive for that one. Uh, lower bowl was like 125 bucks. Um, and so I, I passed on it and you know, I thought the show was a little much, but the show didn't sell out cause all weekend when I've been out doing errands and running around, I've, I've been hearing uh, promos for the show. So that hasn't sold out yet, but I know, um, some of my friends are going, and I know it'll be an awesome show. I haven't gotten to see Tyler yet. I'm psyched to at some point, but I've got uh, fortunate enough to see Sturgill a couple times and he puts on an awesome show. So uh, I know that'll be a good one. And like I said, some of my friends are going, so I'll hear about that. And then a uh, show I'm going to Friday night is at Neighborhood Theater, a band I saw a few months ago, Travers Brothership out of uh, Asheville, who I loved and gave a good review of. Um, they're kind of jammy and funky and rock. Uh, they're playing neighborhood again. So I'll, I'll go up there Friday night, uh, to see them. And then Saturday night, uh, the seventh, uh, Motet, who's, uh, been on the jam band circuit for a while. They're playing neighborhood, um, theater. They, they do more of the electronic side of the uh, jam band scene. And then, uh, a show that I think I, I, uh, reviewed on my first ever podcast is happening again. It's the unknown brewing anniversary party. Uh, I think they're celebrating six and a half-ish years, they're calling it, uh, with that party. But they always do great parties. I mentioned them before. Um, a couple of the bands that they got playing next Saturday are Empire Strikes Bass. Uh, Empire Strikes Brass, rather, not Bass. And uh, Akita, the funk band here in town that I've talked about several times as well. So that'll all be going on Saturday up to uh, Unknown. and Their parties are a good time. So uh, as long as it's nice out, I'd, I'd get up there and check that out. And then also that Saturday night, um, kind of one of the, the underground, as I mentioned before, kind of gets up and coming bands or the bands coming back down the ladder. And one of those is playing Saturday night, but coming back down is Puddle of Mud, who I will stand by. I like their first album. And, uh, you know, they had a couple of huge hits off of it. And I had the CD, so I did own that. I'm not going to the show, I'm not going to see them, but they're playing Fillmore Underground. 
And then on uh, March 12th, uh, Treehouse, who's a reggae band, who's endorsed by Adam Saturano, so you should listen to them. They're coming to the Visual Light in town. I've seen them up there. I might get to that one. And then uh, Stephen Marley, the son of Bob Marley, he's playing Neighborhood Theater and a night of acoustic music, which um, you don't hear acoustic reggae too often. So when I first saw Stephen Marley was coming, I was kind of psyched. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't know about the acoustic side of it. So I might have to do um, some more uh, uh, checking that out, see if I want to go to that or not. And then uh, also that weekend, the 14th, uh, which is uh, a couple weeks on Saturday, is the first kickoff festival of the year for the Whitewater Center, the Green River Festival, where they uh, turn the river green and they have a color me green uh, road, uh, not road race, but trail race in the morning. So that's all. That's always a big day as long as they get a, a decent day of weather out there. Leaf Fields is uh, the headline act. They got two bands playing. I think I want to say one and three or two and four is the music, something like that. But you can check that out online. And then uh, the last show I wanted to point out was uh, March 20th. Uh, Chance McCoy, who's in Old Crow Medicine Show, is playing at Evening Muse. And uh, I got I don't have a ticket to that yet, so I got to go grab a ticket to that. Because, um, as you know, I love Old Crow Medicine Show. And, and the solo stuff they've been promoting online for him sounds really good, too. So I want to get up there for that. So uh, I will definitely have some more shows to talk about uh, coming up in March. And as always, thank you for listening. Uh, give me any feedback you have, uh, have any ideas for improvements, uh, just, you know, stuff to take away, anything like that. Deletions, let me know. Um, still having a great time doing it and, uh, look forward to lining up the show each month and recording it and, uh, getting out there and, and, uh, hope people enjoy it. But, um, that's it. Get out there, see some music. And if you, if, uh, you know me personally, reach out. There's some of the shows I'm going to, if not, let me know about an artist and I'll talk, talk them up on here, and um, let's go see some music and have a good time. Thanks, everybody. The uh, song I'm going to close out with this month is uh, Castles by um, Devil Makes Three. So uh, enjoy that one. Thank you. Castles made of sand.